0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, please open with me to Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8. So we're taking a little break from Proverbs today. Uh, Yeah, for those of you who don't know me, Michael just introduced me. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I am married to Janet, who's, they're sitting over there, and we have a son named Hudson, who's three, and another son named Haddon, who is two months old. He was born uh, May 23rd. Which is great. And in the providence of the Lord, I'm here preaching before you. and I'm very excited to bring the Word to you guys. Uh, It is a very exciting thing to see this many people on a long weekend, with masks on their faces, ready to hear from God's Word. And so I've been praying that God would really bring His Word to you and land it in your hearts, and that there would be big transformation that would come in your lives. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to preach to you. At the same time, I've never preached to people in masks before. How we're in interesting times. Uh, I don't know how you guys are all feeling about, about COVID, but there's, lots of, there's a variety of feelings. That's one thing we know. There is people who are terrified, might not be here today, or you're here, but you're glad that everyone's wearing a mask. There's maybe you're a person who's scared about the economy. What's going what's gonna to happen to our country with all this money being taken out? Or maybe you're just like, I don't even care. I just want things to go back to normal. Regardless, it's affecting us. We can't help it. It affects us. But brothers and sisters, what I want us to see today is that there's something weightier that we should be thinking about. There's something that's worth thinking about that is greater and can actually inform how we think about COVID maybe, but is ultimate and we need to, we need to be thinking about it. And, and it's something the scriptures press upon us and we must think about it. We cannot let other things get in the way. And uh, that's, that's the reality of the return of Christ. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come back on the clouds. I've been talking to Hudson about that recently. Like, you see those clouds? Like, he's coming back. He's going to come right, right from the sky. Everyone's eyes is going to see him. He's going to come back. And the, the question you need to think about, which is more serious, is are you safe on that day or not? How sure are you that Jesus is able to save you? How sure are you... That what Jesus has done is able to save you. And if, if you're not sure about Jesus, you don't know much about Jesus, what are you, you going to do on that day when Judgment Day does come? And so our text this morning is tailored by God himself to give believers confidence on that day. And so let's, let's look at it together. Hebrews 8, starting in verse 1. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. I just, I know that uh, you use weak vessels to proclaim your word, Lord. But this, this word is powerful, God, I, I do pray that this word would land. Would that your Holy Spirit would come and that there would be great effect because of it, Lord. Just pray that your people would be edified and strengthened in their faith and uh, that people here, if they are unbelievers, Lord, that they would be convicted of their sin. Father, we thank you for your word. Please, please help me now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So talking about uh, Noah's Ark, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, uh, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. So, basically what he's saying is, it was, the the ark is over there, and and a snail somehow, somehow got to the ark, and it was by perseverance. Uh, it's, It's a joke, but at the same time, the snail would not have been saved from the rain unless it got to the ark. Noah, as well. Noah and his family went to the ark because they knew that they would be saved there. They knew They trusted God that this ark was going to protect them from his wrath, which was coming with rain. And so they they came into that ark, and they were like, okay, God, we trust you. And then the rain came, and they survived, and everybody else on the earth died. And so the ark provided this sure foundation for them to hold on to. And what we have in Hebrews 8 is actually a more sure foundation than the ark, because the wrath of God, which is coming on our sins, is... Is paid for by the blood of Christ and what we're going to see is why Jesus is able to do that and how we can actually trust him and we can have more confidence in him than we often do and it's and it's a big deal and so let's look at it together before we get into before we get into it though I want to kind of give you some background into Hebrews and kind of see kind of what the Hebrews would be thinking before we before we get into it so beginning of the Bible creation God created everything good. Now, this might sound like, oh, I know that. I know, I know, I know. He created everything good. But this, this is amazing. You look outside, there's, there's not much good out there. You know, everything was good. Perfect fellowship with God. They, they could walk with God in the cool of the day. They had fellowship with one another. Adam and Eve, perfect fellowship. They didn't have any fights. This is, this is unheard of in marriages. You don't see people not having fights. And so, there, there's a reality here that it was really good. It was really good. God made things right. And they had intimate access to God, which was the best thing in the world. And, uh, but then what happened, right? We, we fell. We, we sinned. And, and God cursed, cursed the world. And the biggest problem was the fellowship that they had with God was now broken. They no longer could approach God. Like we were saying, only a holy God. We have a holy God, and how are we even meeting together? None of us are holy. There's no way that we should be able to meet together. And, and we have all sinned. God has no sin in his sight. And so the fall had, had three big effects that will help us understand Hebrews 8. It made us unable to do good, we got sinful hearts, it made us at enmity with God. We are under God's wrath, so we're under his judgment. Our sins make it impossible for us to approach God. So the fall was devastating. Every, every bad thing in the world is the result of the fall. It's our fault. And, and so we deserve to die. God had promised, if you, you can eat from any fruit. All these fruits out here. You can eat from any tree. It's all good. Just don't eat from that one. And Adam and Eve ate from that one. And brought a curse upon mankind. And God said, you will surely die. And so... That is both physical death and spiritual death. And basically, the rest of Scripture from Genesis 3 on is the unfolding of God's plan to save his people from their sins. And so, so we see they deserve to die, but then they don't die initially. And, and God is gracious with them. Eventually, they do physically die. And that continues. Everyone still dies. The only reason death is here is because of the fall, right? We need to remember these things, right? COVID's not as big of a deal when you think about the fact that we shouldn't even be dying. It's our sins. Our sins are the big deal. And, and so, yeah, so the rest of the Bible, God makes promises to save his people from their sins. And so he goes through, through covenants. And what I want to do, just mention two covenants briefly so that it'll better help us understand Hebrews 8. He had the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12 15, and 15. And God chose Abraham... And decided to make him a great nation. So it's going to come through Abraham's seed. This this salvation, this saving his people from their sins is going to come through Abraham's seed. He promised that through Abraham's seed, all the nations would be blessed. And then we get to Exodus and the Mosaic Covenant. God miraculously delivers the Israelites out out of slavery. And then they go to the mountain on Mount Sinai. And he gives them the law. And at that point, he also gives instructions... Uh, for the tent or the tabernacle. And this is really important. I know this is a lot of heavy lifting at the beginning here. But this is really important for understanding what Hebrews is arguing. Okay? And so God is doing all these things so that his people can approach him. And so we we wouldn't be able to be here at all today if it wasn't for this provision from the Lord that was able to get us into access to, to himself. Because sin is very serious. And so the tent, the tabernacle... God says to Moses, you need to do it exactly how I say. Every single thing according to the pattern that I show you. Make it exactly how I say. And it kind of seems, when you're reading Exodus, you're like, wow. There's just a lot of details here. That It seems like they had to do a lot of things to make this tent perfect. Um, but the, the point is, is that this was going to symbolize and help us see how we are to approach God. And you don't just take that lightly. Okay, so, so the, the book of Hebrews and really the whole Bible is asking... How can sinful men and women dwell with the holy God? After the fall, we shouldn't be able to dwell with God anymore. But God's making these provisions so that we are able to dwell with him. And, and that's, a, that's a question that needs to actually be on your mind. It can't be just something that you, you hear and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, what am I going to do with my job? What am I going to do about uh, wearing this mask all the time or something? But the, the thing is, we, we need to know the fact that we can actually approach God and actually have confidence that we can, and that we're actually going to be with Him one day. And so, so getting into our text now, verse, verses 1 to 6, we're going to see that we, we have a better high priest than the priesthood, or the Levitical priesthood that they had in the Old Covenant. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read a verse and then, and then talk about it, okay? So verse, verse 1 chapter 8. Now the point of what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Okay, so we we have a high priest. Let's talk about Jesus. He's seated at the right hand. So sometimes we think, oh yeah, Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He died a substitutionary death on our behalf. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead, and we celebrate that all the time. But We don't think much about where he's seated right now. or He's seated at the throne of the majesty. So what does that mean? What is he doing up there? Uh, this, this is an important thing. We need to think about the ascension. So, so Jesus is, is not just sitting up there doing nothing. His, his work is continuing in the sense that he is continuing to intercede for us. He's continuing to plead before the Father at the right hand of God. And he has all power. So we see that actually in verse 2. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So Moses, Aaron, the biblical priesthood, set up this tent. This is how you're going get, to get to God. Now we have, but that wasn't the true tent. That's what he's saying. There's a true tent that wasn't set up by man. And that was actually just a picture of what's actually happening in heaven. So what's happening in heaven is Jesus is pleading on our behalf as our priest, saying, look at my side. Look at, look at my hands. I, I, I was on the cross for their sins. Let them into your presence. Hear their prayers. And this is, this is, a, this is a really big deal because priests were, were the ones who were bringing the people to God. And those other priests weren't even in the true tent. We're talking about Jesus who's actually in heaven himself. And so this is a, this is a very much better priest than the, the priesthood before. And then verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. So the, the priests had to bring, bring offerings for sin. They had to bring a variety of different kinds of offerings. And, and so Jesus himself, when he comes in, the, the Jews already have categories for what, what needs to happen to get to God. And we need to have these categories too. We, we think that it doesn't matter what we think about the Old Testament, but... The the importance of the Old Testament is really giving us a picture of who Christ needs to be. He needs to be this perfect lamb who's going to die on behalf of his people. And so he had to offer up himself. That's the only way we could get to God. And so he had something to offer. And so verse 3 is talking about. Now verse 4. Now if he were on earth, Jesus were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, verse 5, they serve a copy and shadow Of the heavenly things. So Moses and Aaron, Moses gets the the description of what needs to be in the tent. Aaron starts the Levitical priesthood, and they have this tent. And and it's the only way to get to God. It's the only way. But now he's saying that was just a copy and a shadow. So that was actually just to get a framework in their mind so when Jesus comes, oh, this is the reality. He's actually in heaven with God himself pleading on our behalf. And so they, they were constantly sacrificing all the time for sins and seeing bloodshed all the time. And so it wasn't a, a weird thing to say we need our sins forgiven by blood. We need, without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins. And so what we're seeing here is, is the, the copy and the shadow was to point to Christ. It was to point to Christ. And so at the end of verse 5, when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So, there, so Moses up on Mount Sinai, get it, hearing from God himself, getting the Ten Commandments. Also, this is what you must do with the tent. You must do it exactly like this. If you don't do it like this, I can't approach you. And it, and it, it seems excessive until you realize that Jesus had to be exactly perfect to actually bring us to God. To actually mediate the presence of God to us. And so all of that, the Old Testament, it's not that it was useless, but it was pointing to Christ. It was all important and God, God saw the provision and he looked forward to Christ and forgave their sins. But, but it, was, it was a provision until we would see who Christ is. The perfect lamb who would die for the sins of his people. And then in verse 6, let's look at verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old. As the covenant, he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. So before, the sins of, or the blood of goats and bulls couldn't take away sins. Now there's better promises. He could actually take away sins. He could actually pay for them. You didn't have to have the the Day of Atonement every single year and then go and sin again. You need another forgiveness of sins. And so... So how does this affect you? We have a, we have a better priest. What does, that, what does that even mean for you? So sometimes you, you may sin, right, as a Christian. And do, do we need to wait until the Day of Atonement or wait until the next day or wait before we can ask for forgiveness until we go to church or, or something like that? The reality is Jesus has actually paid the penalty for your sins and it's been acceptable. It's been acceptable to God. Perfectly acceptable. So, so you sin you sin, say whatever it is. You can, you can confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you immediately after. And so that is a, that is a thing that is not normal in the life of the, uh, I guess, old, old people of God. They, they, they couldn't. They couldn't do that. They had to wait until the day of atonement. And so we have full forgiveness of sins. We can approach God any time. And so the question is, why, why don't you confess your sins sooner? Why won't well, I feel guilty or I want to look better or, or whatever it may be. But the reality is you can, you can confess your sins and you can be forgiven and you can walk in fellowship with the Lord. And this is, this, is a, this is a great privilege. This is a great privilege of the new covenant. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ and, and you, you still sin, you still do wrong things, how, how will you be able to be saved from from your sins if, if you're still in your sins when you get, when you get to God. So that, that's a question you need to answer because the only way God is going to have you in His presence is if you're holy, and none of us are holy. Since, since the fall, we've all sinned. And so, so we need Christ. We, have, we are in desperate need of Christ. And even believers, believers need Christ. We need to cling to Christ because if, if we neglect Christ, if we try and do this thing on our own instead of going to Christ— we're neglecting a very great salvation. And that's, that's basically what he, uh, the author of Hebrews says earlier. How will you survive if you neglect so great a salvation? You have no chance. And so just as Noah had only the only chance he had of saving his life was going in that ark, the only chance of saving your life on the day of judgment is if, is if you trust in Christ and repent of your sins. So we have a better priest. And we have a better covenant. That's, that's the second... Second point, and that's verses seven through through thirteen, and we're gonna we're gonna look at this because this is this is an important thing. We need to we need to believe that we actually have this covenant, that we that the covenant promises that were promised all throughout the Old Testament, that are now fulfilled in Christ are ours, and and if we do, it's really gonna change it changes the way you live completely. And so, what we're gonna we're gonna look at is three benefits. Of the new covenant. Three benefits of the new covenant. And the first, the first one is a regenerate heart or a new heart. Okay, so these are for all the people who have trusted in Christ. These are for all the people who have come into the new covenant. Okay, so let's look at verses 8 through 10. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's so talking about Moses. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. This is the first one. Here we go. Our regenerate heart. I will put my laws into their minds. And write them on their hearts. That's as far as we're going to go right now. So that's kind of, that sounds a little intrusive. Maybe you've heard that before. But he's putting his laws on our minds. That sounds like, almost like brainwashing. Uh, he's, he's just, he's putting it right into your mind. And writing them on your heart. And so sometimes we, we're a little uncomfortable with, maybe we're comfortable with saying, God, please change our heart. But maybe we're not comfortable with God actually changing our heart without us, us wanting it. Uh, but this is the reality of the new covenant. This is what God does. He gives us a new heart. And, and all of a sudden, now you want to obey. So before we said you're were, you were unable to obey. You, all you could do is sin. Now, you're able to obey and able to disobey. Okay? So it's not, now you have a new heart. He puts this in your mind. Now you, can, you don't sin anymore. Instead, it's, now you have a heart inclination that goes towards obedience. So you, like, you like to obey. This is not normal for, for people. People don't, don't like to obey God. They don't like God. You don't like God if you're not a believer. You, just, you think he's intruding on you. John Owen said you, God puts a new principle inside of you. So there's this, there's this principle that actually wants to do good. And so one of the ways you can know if, if this has happened to you or not is, as one pastor put it, you want to make a Christian miserable, tell them to keep sinning. So if you sin and you hate it, that, that, is, that could be potential evidence that you're saved. And so God puts a new principle in your heart, and now all of a sudden you love to do what's good. You love to do what's right. And this, this is not normal in the world. You, you love to love your neighbor. You're going to put a mask on even when you don't, you don't think that anyone... Is actually getting sick, or you, you don't know, you have your own views about COVID or something. You know, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna love your neighbor in whatever ways it, it, it comes because you have a new heart. You wanna do your, whatever you can to win them to Christ. And so that's, a, that's the first one is a, is a new heart. And so maybe you're here today and you're just stuck in sin. You just keep on sinning. And you're wondering, well, how do I get out of this? But the reality is, if, if you are a Christian, you can. You, you can get out of it. Pray that the Lord would give you help and to believe that you have a new heart and that you, you have the spirit inside of you which is able to make you obey. So not only do we have Jesus as the one who forgives our sins, he's also given us his spirit so that we can obey him. And so that's the first, the first benefit of the new covenant is a regenerate heart. The second is... Intimate access to God for all believers. So this is verses 10, the end of 10 through 11. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor, and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. So communion with God is for all believers. So you can approach the throne of God without fear. This is, this is a striking statement. Like we said, at creation, when the fall happened, there was, there was fear. They were hiding. They were hiding immediately. And now we can approach God without fear, as our Father. And it, it's an amazing statement to even say, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. It's just, it's a special, intimate relationship that you have with God, which is unlike anything else that the that, that history of the, the church or anyone has seen before. So this is, this is an amazing thing. So we're talking the creator of all things. So the one who made everything. You can have fellowship with him. He made all things. He made every pleasure in the world that we get to enjoy under his, under his rule. And we get to have fellowship with him. So you, you think about sometimes, we think about, oh, it would be so great if I knew the Maybe maybe not the President of the United States right now, but someone someone like that. Someone high up, maybe Sidney Crosby or Johnny Gaudreau or I don't know. Someone like that. Whoever your hero is, oh, it'd be so great to know him. It'd be so great. I would love it. I, I would love to have a conversation with that guy, uh, whoever it is. But we, we can have a conversation with the God of the universe. You, you can go to God in prayer. And sure, sometimes it feels a, a little bit strange, but you're communing with the, the God of the universe, and this is a a blessing of the new covenant. And you're, maybe you're thinking, oh, well, that's not for me. Maybe that's just for, for pastors or for certain spiritual people or something like that. But that, that's the key about, about this text. We see in the middle of verse 11, you don't need to say, each one saying to his brother, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Every single believer in this room has the privilege of communing with the God of the universe. And by communing, I mean... Prayer. You can hear from God. You can talk to God. You can hear from Him in His Word. And, and, and this, is a, this is a great privilege. Spurgeon talked about all the blessings you can get. You could want the most riches in the world. But what, what would be better than having the riches of knowing the God of the universe? The God who made all things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. And you can, you can commune with this God. And so maybe you're concerned about the economy. Maybe you're thinking, okay, but how am I going to get enough food on the table, Brother Kurt? How's that going to happen? And uh, it's not enough for you to say, well, maybe it'll turn around. Maybe it'll turn around. Because maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. But if you have God Himself as your inheritance, you know there's coming a day when you're going to be with God forever. And He will shower blessings on you. And the, and the greatest of those will be himself. And so, you're thinking, how is that going to apply to me? Well, just preach this to yourself. I will be their God. I will be their God. Until you believe it. And ask God to help you to believe it. Because this is a wonderful promise. That I will be their God. This is, this is an amazing thing. And we need to, we need to value it. Because if you value it, it'll show itself in uh, getting up in the morning and praying, it'll show itself in, in regularly talking about God in conversation. It'll, sh- it'll show itself in a variety of ways if, you've been, if you really value this treasure, which is God himself, uh, for all believers. Okay? And then the third one, which is full, final forgiveness of sins. So that's in verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So this is the, the third one here. Unfortunately, this may seem a little underwhelming to you. Maybe you're like, yeah, I know my sins are forgiven. I know. But, but this is, really is one of the greatest parts of the new covenant. You don't have to have a guilty conscience anymore. You don't have to walk around not, just feeling bad about what you did all day long remember before I was a Christian, I, would, I used to just do social justice kind of things, trying to help as many people as possible. And I remember just thinking, man, I still feel guilty because I keep wanting to go back to sin after I'm done. And, and I, I continued to do that. I just lived this kind of back and forth life. And I'd go on mission trips, things like that. And I would just, okay, now I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel better if I just do this, these good things. And the reality is you just don't. You don't. Until your sins are forgiven, until you feel the reality of your sins actually being forgiven, there's nothing better than that. Your sins, your sins are serious. And every single person in this room, whether you're a Christian or not, has a guilty conscience that you're either suppressing or, or, it's, or it's right on your, on your mind and you can't sleep at night. And, and the wonder of the new covenant is that your sins can be completely forgiven. Past, present, future. So this is another thing I used to think. I used to think... Oh, well, my sins were forgiven in the past, but now I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect after that. Got the Spirit. I need to do everything perfectly. And then I would sin, and I would just despair. And I wouldn't go to the Lord. Be like, oh, He doesn't, doesn't care about me anymore because I've sinned. Maybe that's you. But the reality is your sins have been forgiven. All of them. And, and we are commanded to confess our sins, and He will cleanse us again and again and again. We have a Savior that's able to save us from our sins able to bring us into his presence with great joy and he he will do it all the way to the end so are you weary are you weary of your sins are you are you heavy laden maybe you don't understand that term but it, do you feel heavy Jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden I'll give you rest he doesn't say go away from me until you do better I and mean, he says come to me I'll give you rest and this is, this is the wonder of the new covenant. It's freely given. It's freely given in the gospel. You don't have to make yourself get a new heart. You don't have to get yourself into intimate communion with God. You don't have to get yourself full forgiveness of sins. You don't have to do anything for that. You trust in Christ and by your union with Christ and his work, which was perfect, he's in heaven with God interceding on your behalf. That union brings you all the blessings of the new covenant. All of them. They're all yours. And so this is a... This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so so we have a better high priest. We have a better covenant, including a new heart, intimate access to God, and full forgiveness of sins. If you're an unbeliever in this room, I want you to consider Christ. Is there anyone else who has gone into heaven and is literally pleading with the living God? You don't see that in any other religion. There's no, there's no priest like him. Is there anyone else who is pleasing before God? Who's perfectly obeyed God? Muhammad didn't do it. Come to Christ even today. He will, he will receive you. He says, come to me. Come to me. And maybe brothers and sisters who are believers here, you can have confidence on the last day. You have a Christ who is able to save you all the way to the end. He's given you a new covenant that is able to make you obey more and more. You can have intimate communion with God. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. And you can and you have full final forgiveness of sins. And so let's pray. Father, we, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for purchasing them, Lord. I do pray that uh, you would give grace uh, to the people here, Lord, for Redemption North, uh, to believe these wonderful promises that have been brought to fulfillment by Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.